welcome to Dad Pod. This is episode five of Dad Pod. As we record this, this today, it is the number one kids and parenting podcast in Australia, which has probably already been usurped by seventeen other. There's probably some Mamma Mia, ABC. Collab. Collab, yeah. They've got to take us down. We're totally. in the crosshairs. I'll bet, I'll bet they wake up in the morning and go, upstarts, right, quickly. All I can say is thank God for algorithms <laughs> because, I mean, look, I, I would love to think it was downloads alone that got us to the top, but there is some strange kind of thing of like yeah, people subscribing and mm. signing up and downloads. It's a combination of, yeah. of, of events that There's led to it. But whatever it was, it. we'll take it. There's a bit of heat around it. People are like, let's get on board this. Well, I, it's going, I think it, mostly it was the um, the Tom Selleck, um, Ted Danson have done most of the work. Yeah, definitely. On the artwork, but really put together. We, uh, we ummed and art over that artwork for so long and then we realised what are we talking about this is perfect <laughs> it's been in front of us the whole literally the whole time um, as we record this Wolfie is nine weeks old today Iona is how old uh, she is four weeks four, four weeks. weeks last Tuesday yeah um, so yeah I don't remember what it is to go I remember what I did an hour ago I, I'm just so scatterbrained because of the sleep deprivation. Mm. Um, Audrey's even worse. So that's that's kind of been my week. My week. Yeah. Well, we uh, we should explain like the recording schedule for Dad Pod's been a bit all over the shop. We've recorded, we've batch recorded, we've had time off. So mm. last time people heard, Iona wasn't even born. Yeah. Uh, but she has been born, and it's an right. amazing story. And if you'd like to hear that story, yeah. rather than retell the whole thing on Dad Pod, you can actually listen to my other podcast, uh, Tofop, with Will Anderson, where I go through the entire thing in great detail about an hour's worth of childbirth stories. It's actually re- it's a really beautiful tale, and the, and this title of the show is quite indicative. She looks just like me. Yeah. It's episode 263 of TOEFOP if, if you haven't heard it. And Charlie um, tells Will the, the whole whole scenario. So I would, I would thoroughly recommend you do check that out. But it is – you came home pretty quickly after you, you had Iona. We had a pretty – I don't want to say perfect, but it was like an incident-free mm. uh, labour and childbirth. Amazing. Which was – it's so funny because you spend so much time and, you know, even uh, if you listen back to the early episodes of this show where we talked about our anxieties mm. and the things, you know, we wanted to go right and it's almost like you're studying for an exam and and then like most things in life, once it actually starts happening, you just step out of the way mm. and things happen, you know, and all that worrying and all that anxiety and all that kind of pressure you're putting on yourself to have the perfect childbirth, like regardless of what happened, I think it all would have worked out fine. But in this particular instance, it was just one of those things that the way I've used to describe it is um, it was intense but not stressful. Yeah. So, you know, watching Gemma go through the labour and, you know, the entire sort of 14 hours, I think it was by the time Iona was born, the whole thing was very uh, intense but I felt like Gemma had it under control. Mm. It was kind of like if I went to the Olympics to watch Gemma do weightlifting mm. and as she went up the weights I'd be like, oh, man, like this is getting harder and harder and she looks like she's really straining and, the, you know, but at the same time I felt like, well, she's ready for this and mm. her body's ready for this and mm. – we also had uh, a great doula and for anyone out there who's expecting who maybe doesn't have the family support, like we didn't have much family support, I can highly recommend getting a doula. Obviously research and find the person who's right for you. Interview them like you would for, you know, like a, a job. Um, but we had a great doula called Caitlin and she was our go-between. She was our intermediary. Yeah. She was the birth expert. So when Gemma went into labour, we did about five hours on our own of just like pre-active labour, just, you know, me here working with Gemma here at the apartment and then I, we got Caitlin to come around. Caitlin is such an expert that she got Gemma on speakerphone and Amazing. by the sound of the noises Gemma was making, she could tell at what stage she was at. Yeah, the, the midwife that we had did the same thing with Audrey. She heard Audrey make one, one particular noise and went... <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, here, okay, great. I'll it, get the doctor. It's like gone in 60 seconds when all the like the car nuts are sitting around playing like uh, CDs of like engines revving and naming what kind of car it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that for the childbirth. So, I mean, because we had that extraordinary benefit of having Audrey's mum around. Mm. Um, your mum's no longer with us. Gemma's mum's in, in overseas. So to think that we as humans got to this point by having children on our own in isolation is bonkers. We had children surrounded by people who'd been there before who knew what to Takes do. Takes a village to raise a child. Exactly. And so to have someone with you, it's just that extra confidence of like you're not affected by all the stress and worry that I'm under. It's just one less thing to think about yeah. because even though everything was going great and like I didn't feel stressed out, just having that person I could turn to to mm. say – is it time? And she'd be like, no, no, it's fine. Why don't you make her some tea? Why don't you make some toast? And it was also just her energy. She wasn't panicked, so I wasn't panicked. Yeah. I can imagine even if you did have a mother or a family member around, but maybe they aren't a relaxed person, that maybe wouldn't help the situation either. But having someone there, you know, who is, this is their job and this is what they're paid to do and they're professional and they love, they just love being around mothers and childbirth. I'm so glad we made the investment yeah. because it really enabled us. By the time we got to the hospital, so we got to the hospital in the afternoon and then it was about four or five hours later. By the time the baby had arrived, everything felt quite natural. Like mm. there was no, at no point, all the things that I'd been fearing is like the midwives saying they have to call a doctor and a doctor coming in and then us having to rush because something's gone wrong. But even if it had gotten to that stage, I feel like we would have been completely aware of what was happening at the time. I think most of us fear hospitals and medical procedures because we don't know what's going on. It's Mm -hmm. a fear of the unknown. But in this instance, I felt like we both knew exactly what was happening at every stage, you know, and nothing was being kept from us. We were being totally included in everything that was happening. And also what an amazing healthcare system we have in this country. It's truly incredible. We went public. And it was fantastic. Like the care we were given, I imagine for every person that they see, it's the same level of interest and compassion and humour and everything about it was fantastic. It was such a great experience. So I want to be the – because a lot of my friends, guy friends especially, leading up to the birth had been like, oh, man, like, you know, it's so intense, it's so full on, it's really stressful. And and that was their experience, okay? Mm. I'm not trying to diminish anyone else's experience. But if I can be – as someone who spreads the word that it can be a great experience yeah. and I want to be that guy. Yeah. So if there's dads out there or dads to be, this doesn't necessarily need to be something that you can fear. Like any situation in life where there is uncertainty, you can choose to imagine the best outcome. And why not? Because if you can go into this experience wholehearted and willing to take the best from it, you're going to have an amazing time. Like Gemma and I just came out of that. It was a 24-hour whirlwind. Yeah. And it was amazing. Like we – and also – Oh, she don't take drugs anymore. But no. you get all these natural drugs yes. <laughs> from the oxytocin. Oh, the oxytocin. And it's amazing, it right? Like how ever. high do you feel? Oh, it's the f- highest. It was extraordinary. It was re- really – and I, look, I just there's a few things that you mentioned there. and like, I, I really want to say I think there's a lot – and we've spoken about this. There's a lot of dads who – yes, I'm sleep deprived right now, but is it something that I would then go, oh, mate, you really got to – no, because it's absolutely worth it. And yes, it was intense – but never was I afraid or yeah. stressed. Nothing's right? out of control. Because no, and yes, you can imagine the worst possible outcome, but there's no one else involved who is wanting that 
outcome to happen. Yeah. Every single person involved, from the person that you check in with to the person who brings you the sandwich in the hospital, wants nothing but the absolute best possible outcome. And they're very highly trained people. And they know exactly what to do. And they've seen the worst happen. And they are not going to let that happen to you. Yeah. They do everything they bloody can to not let that happen to you. And I, I can't tell you how, and I'm sure, I don't know if this is the same for you with, with, uh, with Jim, but going through that experience with Audrey is I – I am so much more in love with her witnessing what she did. Mm. I am so much more in awe of her. I have so much, I respected her incredibly, but I have so much more reverence mm. for her. And it just, I'm just so, so just watching her do that and be there. And, and yeah, I think there's a, it's a trope to be what you said, to be the dad that tries to scare the dad who's about to be a dad. Yeah. Like, that's not really that true. No. No, it's really not that true. Well, look, like I said, I'm not trying to diminish other people's experience who maybe did have a stressful time or it wasn't great yeah. or whatever. But I, what I'm saying is it doesn't have to be that no. way. That you can have a pretty remarkable experience. Yeah. Anyway, to hear more about it, listen to Tofop, episode 263. She yeah. looks just like me. Osh, let's talk about milk. Yes, there's a lot of it in our house. Audrey <laughs> has a high flow and a low flow pump, much like the service station. <laughs> For some reason, the left one just let's go. And so we're, I'm essentially, I don't know if you realize this, but Audrey and I, we're now dairy farmers Yep. because I'm in the business of uh, harvesting and storing and collecting milk. Uh, there's a lot of it, but we have found that uh, we did have the, the, the breast pump, which we do use. And I always dig it because it sounds like it's got a warm up phase, which goes, uh, 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 and then she pushes a button and it's literally like Skrillex is dropping the big one. And it goes, wah, 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 wah. like it's, it's like on. And I do my Skrillex face when she hits the button. It's hilarious for me. Um, so there's that. But Audrey says that that puts a lot of pressure on her nipple. And, and if, if Wolfie's been on it particularly heavily that day, it can really be quite irritating. So she's got these other things, these extraordinary uh, shells. They're called the Mumasil shells she uses, but you can get all different kinds of them. And she basically just puts it on the spare one when Wolfie's on the other one. And she'll collect like 30, 40 mils. Now, if you're a new dad and you're like, why are you talking about mils here? Every drop is precious. Yeah. Never spill it. Never defrost enough more it's than like, you will use. It's like Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> it really is. It's like Dune. The gasoline. It's like, it's like a steel suit in Dune. You've got to be super careful. Every drop is is is, is precious. And these little mummasil shells are just extraordinary. The amount. So we we really don't need to pump that much. She's mm. got this other thing. It looks like a hand grenade, but it's made of squishy silicon mm. or such. And she whacks it on there. She pulls it on and it has a small amount of suction on the back of it and that's enough to get the milk flow through and she'll collect 30, 60 mils. Now at this point, Wolfie's nine weeks, so he'll drink maybe 100, 120 mils a feed. So, you know, within two actual feeds on the other breast, she'll collect enough for another one. So we stay one ahead, which is pretty exciting. I do get a bit mixed up with the rotation in the fridge of to which one's the next one to go. And I've got to work on that. Uh, and we need a bit of a system. But does it have to be specifically, you don't have to get it like exactly right. I mean, it's like no. milk buying milk from the store. Like there's a use by date for all of it. Well, right? yeah. And the milk changes depending on what the baby needs. So we pulled uh, out some milk we hadn't used, had, we froze a couple of weeks back. Oh, right. So it's been in there. And long, we, right? we gave it a bit of an AB oh. and one was so much fattier than the other one. I haven't even thought of yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, so I've got milk that's been in the freezer for a couple of weeks. I didn't yeah, think yeah. of that. Because it was kind of hidden behind the peas or whatever. And like, oh, crack, we've got a new one here. But it was like li- literally yellow. And the yeah. other one was kind of more soy milk. I didn't color. even think of that. Yeah. Yeah, right. So you need to use it. Got to oh, get, on, get on It's board. a good tip, Osh. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> 
you know, I'm here to help. Uh, yeah, but uh, we're trying to get him to feed at least, you know, on, on a bottle like at least once a day. But I also like to keep one in the rotation so that particularly if we just had a tough night, I'll get up from about 4, 4.30 and I'll take him from there and do a feed or two and then try to get him through until when G wakes up for school at around 7 um, and then try and get Audrey at least three hours in a row. But yeah, that's been tricky. But everything in my house smells like breast milk right now. <laughs> every clo- every piece of clothing I own, everything smells like breast milk. Baby smells like breast milk. Everything smells like breast milk. And that's fine because it smells nice. But if, if you, you could smell me coming, basically. Hello. Matt O'Kine. It's Charlie Clawson from Dad Pod with Osher Ginsberg. How are you? What's going up, dudes? How are you? Not sleeping, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> You're about. We've both had breakfast radio um, jobs before, Osha. So I feel like that was a perfect training for Dad life. I, I do agree, Matt. And I was cavalierly going when people go, "Oh, sleeping!" Like I've done <laughs> breakfast radio. I know what sleep deprivation is about. When I did breakfast radio, even if it was only three hours before that four a.m. alarm it would be three in a row hours. This is <laughs> this is like there's no complete REM cycles. It's yeah. like 40 minutes here, 17 minutes there. I've got to say, Matt, I, I saw you quite a few times before the birth of my daughter and you were giving me the sales pitch of a lifetime. You were... <laughs> You were like on cloud nine. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened. You didn't tell me about this part. Right. It is the greatest thing. It's so exciting. I mean, look, I feel like dads can't really complain too much about the sleep situation because we do have it easy compared to the mums, depending on how you are feeding. But um, it's that awful fear. You know, when you wake up, before you're a parent, you wake up, you might only have a night of four hours sleep and you think, Oh, well, that's okay because I'll get a good night's sleep tonight. <laughs> but it's that fear when, when you wake up, you're feeling tired and you think, I'll just get a good night's sleep tonight. Oh, wait, no, I won't. And then you think, oh, my God, I will never get a good night's sleep again. Yeah. That, that fear rocks you to your core. Yeah, 2046 maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When that when that is going to happen, and it's going to be a good sleep. It'll be a real good sleep. Can't wait. It'll be the day that he goes to uni. (laughs) Matt, you are your baby is how old now? She's seven and a half months. She's she's um, wriggling around on the ground just next to me here. She's starting to roll both ways, which is uh, exciting. And she's getting very inquisitive. You can't do anything without her peering at you the whole time. She's staring at me right now, wondering what the hell I'm talking, why I'm talking into this little square next to my face. It is funny, like how hard you, I mean, you know, we, we all sort of work in the public domain and we seek the approval of the public in our jobs, but I have never worked harder to get the approval of an audience than I do with my daughter. Like she's not yet at the stage where she's smiling, but I am giving her my best material, just trying to get that reaction that'll just like affirm my life. Oh, dude, it, and it'll come when you least expect it. My partner and I were walking through having a classic European holiday fight. <laughs> you know when um, you know when you're just in in some beautiful country, you should be enjoying the architecture of the Renaissance period <laughs> and then the art from from hundreds of year year ago. You know, artists, and instead you're um fighting because you took the wrong street on the way to the museum, and there was no places to buy bottles of water. And you know, and so we're having. Classic couple, European couple fight. And, you know, our daughter was about five months old at the time. And so we eventually duck into this McDonald's to buy a water and my, and my 
partner goes to order the water from the, the screens and um, I sat down and it was hot, like Madrid, middle of summer, absolutely sweltering. And I took off my hat and I was like, we were, you know, my partner and I are both cranky. We're in bad moods now because we've been fighting. I take off my hat and I look at my daughter who's just staring at me and I wipe all the sweat off my brow and I go, oh, it's so hot. And she just burst out laughing. <laughs> First time I'd ever heard her laugh. Mate, this material killed. I start wiping my brow and going, Phew, it's so hot over and over again. Each time, yeah. more laugh. I pretty much wrote my whole show for Melbourne Comedy Festival in that moment. It's, but it brought us together. Do you know what I mean? Something I was like, Belle, quickly come over. And then she came over and we like just watched our daughter just like laughing and giggling. And she had no idea that we'd been fighting about where to buy a bottle of water from. And it was just amazing those moments that make you, those are the moments, you know, when I saw you, Charlie, and I, and I wanted to let you know how amazing it is. Yeah, so after all your years as a comedian, you've become a catchphrase comedian. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yep. Full clowning from now on, just taking the hat off, wiping the brow. Whew, it's so it hot. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the sketch I'm going to get show. t-shirts. Yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to the sketch show where that's the out, that's the button for every scene. And yeah, it's the, it's the new pointer. Oh, yeah. Well, look what happened to Eric, man. He had an amazing career. I say go for it. I say absolutely yeah. go for it. Hey, we're, we're both pretty early into this journey, Matt, and um, I did want to ask a little bit what uh, – Charlie and I were talking a little bit earlier about the harvesting of breast milk. Is that something that you guys were were doing? Oh, that, I mean, you get used to that sound, don't you? Mm. <laughs> Sexy. <laughs> just, um, just sitting as you're watching TV. It's a constant soundtrack to your life now as a couple. Um, yeah, we were doing that because we, we were – Sophia, my daughter, didn't really love taking formula. Like, she was always breastfeeding – um, and we were just trying to do a bit of, you know, a bit of both every now and then just so I could take over sometimes. So, yeah, I mean, I'm more than familiar with all that. My partner was doing it about literally an hour ago, just on the couch here in this apartment I'm in in Brisbane. So I got all the tips. Well, hit us, hit me, because at this point I'm, I'm just like, don't mess up the order of which milk in the fridge to use first, because I've done that once oh. or twice. Are you labeling it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I've got okay, I'll take- everything. But I still. Oh well, that's you're, you're better than me. That's for sure. We just had uh, whatever ones on the front of the fridge you just go for. But my tip would be, and this is after again more fights, more arguments. If you ever see the empties lying around, sterilize. Get onto it. Right. Don't wait for your partner to do it. All right. That's where you can really be helpful. That is, uh, get onto your sterilization. My partner's looking at me right now, going. You still don't sterilize, you <laughs> lying. I do I'm have, just trying I, to project, guys. <laughs> I do have that appointment in uh, in a couple of weeks. I'm going to see a guy about that. But I think you're meaning the one that, you know, you fill for the water and put in the microwave. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, sterilize the bottle. Oh, yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, Guaranteed after two months of no sleep, oh, she's getting sterilized. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Is, like, the shop is closing, dude. I am, like, I am, I am out. I think, I think you're right, though. We had uh, – at first, I would just, when I was in the baby aisle, I was just buying more bottles. And at one point, we just had way too many. It was like, nah, we're running with six mm. and that's it. That's how many's in the rotation. And I, I totally did not do what Matt is describing. I left a few too many empties out and then baby was hungry. There was nothing clean and it, it was my fault. Uh, Matt- oh, that's it, right? And you freak out. Then as you get uh, you know more into it, you stop worrying as much about all of that. I'm not saying you shouldn't sterilize. I'm just saying you start you worrying. Less, you know, like a teach would like 
brush against my forearm and I'd be like, oh no, it's contaminated. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like meanwhile, my daughter's licking a, like a handrail <laughs> and, uh, and you know, and so, uh, yeah, you start, you start not worrying so much about it. So you're busting out the hazmat suit as you clean all the bottles in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the full That's it. Yeah. My, my question is, um, I've been experimenting with different baby carriers. So we had the Hagabub traditional sling that we started with and I've moved up to the, the baby Bjorn and yep. I I see benefits in both. I do like the baby born in terms of the simplicity, but I find it's, I come back and my neck is killing me from all the straps and the, the weight she puts on. I mean, this is something I can complain about with you guys. I can't ah. mention for a second, like when we go for our half hour walk in the morning, I cannot come back and complain about the weight of the vape. <laughs> I tried that once, never again. The Hagabub I like because it's much more comfortable and it's more comfortable material, but I find that when she's that tight against me, especially now it's getting a bit warmer, I come back and she is soaked through with my sweat. I'm a big sweater. I don't really want to like drown my baby daughter. The chest sauna yeah. we've got the, we've got a baby a baby bill um no what have we got i can't even remember what it is what have we got that's right we got an ergo baby um uh, which i'm a big big fan of I, oh man i'm loving it hands-free i reckon like because we usually pack it when we when when she's in the pram as well just in case because um sophie would just be temperamental at times and decide that she doesn't like sitting back in the four-wheeler and I uh, would just want that carrier time. So we go the Ergo Baby. She never liked to sling. Right. And it's like, it's that classic thing, you know, totally classic new parent thing. You buy 40 different products yeah. and one is useful. Yeah. And that's part of the reason that, like, I was thinking about it. I mean, it's difficult to justify. It's very easy to be pro planet and everything like that. And then suddenly you have a baby. And it's very easy for shit to just go out the window. Yeah, All of your beliefs to go out the window. The bin, like exactly. Everything, yeah. You, you buy, you're getting Uber Eats delivered that comes in 40 different plastic containers. And you're just going, okay, look, I know that my footprint is bad now. I promise. It's like in, uh, um, you know, when you're playing golf and you take a huge divot out of the turf, yeah. you're like, I promise I'm going to come back and fill this with sand one day. I promise. <laughs> I promise. But I, right now, the big chunk of turf that I'm taking out of the earth is pretty big. But um, that's why you should, you should, I don't feel like you should ever buy new things, you know, when it comes to, there's, or there's few things you should buy new when it comes to baby stuff because I, people only ever use it for like two months yeah. and then they need to get rid of it. And there's just so, like, there's just, you don't need new stuff. Well, that's been our entire strategy is we just waited for all our friends to have kids first and now we've yeah. inherited a bunch of stuff. It's been awesome. Oh, I am. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah, I got, I, we've talked about my gum tree adventures with yeah. my, uh, my Swedish cabinetry, which was, you know, a couple of grand in the baby shop and a few hundred bucks in the garage in Litchfield. Litchfield? Amazing. That's in Darwin. I'm so tired. And look, you know, <laughs> I've got about 30 beer bottles that you whack a teat onto and they, uh, you know, work just as good as the. <laughs> so, because I have an Ergo Baby 2, Matt O'Kine, and I love it. By the way, mine is an Ergo Baby 2. I use Baby Bjorn the way some people say Esky, as oh, right. like a generic. I'm going to. Oh, mine, mine is an Ergo Pass Baby. Pass me a Kleenex. Yeah, got exactly. It. No, we use an Ergo Baby and I love it because the, the hugger bugger bugger thing is just, it's too much kerfufflery. When it's time to go. I love I it. Just, I feel like a Jedi when I strap it on though. Not interested. <laughs> like wanna... the, the first few straps you look like you're graduating university. I feel like I've achieved something in my life. And so but I, but here's the trick guys. I need to understand Matt, you've had a few more months down the track with this eating with the ergo baby on you. Oh. I've found I've had to turn my head to the side because I don't want to drip any hot food on my son's face. Oh, or a- absolutely. Too many times I've come, Audrey's come home and there's like crumbs in his hair. <laughs> Sorry. 
Yeah, just just setting them up for the for the seagull swoop um, when you when you walk out to the park the next day. Yeah, just wait till they start reaching for things as well. That's going to really that really throws a, a spanner in the works because a coffee turns into like a, a weapon. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like a, a proper danger. So you have to just stop all of that, and it's a bit frustrating. But that's all you can do. But the only good thing I would say is around about the time that they start doing that, like if you're eating out. Instead of them being strapped to you, they start going into sort of high chair mode. Right. And that makes eating out so much better. Right. You know, because they're not just crawling all over you and um, and copying your drips of melted cheese from your toasty every yeah. every I mean, bite. There, so There is concern when it's your child, but when it's not yours. I was in the cafe a couple of weeks ago and I saw a woman trying to take a sip of her coffee and her kid kept slapping it out of hand every time it got near her lips and oh, it was hilarious. On. It was so good. <laughs> But, but, yeah, but then not your it, it is super funny and then, you know, you have to be reminded like the skin that you and I have on our old man bodies yeah. is quite resilient mm. and where just the water coming out of the tap in my house could melt the flesh off the baby's bones. Like it's like that delicate. You know, you've got yeah, to be that's so it. careful. You've got to be so careful. Why are you ruining my cafe story, Osh? Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> Very well, yeah, no, no, you know, it's fine. Um, if, you know, third degree burns are hilarious. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, I didn't call for statue, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, Matt. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, we may get you back on a later stage. We, we, you're six. You're in the future, as far as we're concerned. You're future dad. Yeah. So when we need yeah. more advice down the line, is it okay if we give you a call back? Yeah. Oh, anytime. You've been awesome chatting, guys. And don't forget, if you do have any uh, questions, or oh, let's be honest, words of advice for us, um, because we've got really no idea what we're doing and the internet is full of lies, askdadpod at gmail.com or you can find us on dadpodgram, which I have yet to upload a photo to. I should get somebody on that. <laughs> Lord girl, I didn't know that. Uh, as in the singer Lord, the Kiwi? Uh, no, song, as in I think the, uh, you know, oh. the one we go, give thanks to when we have dinner oh, okay. and ask for football game wins, um, okay. has written... <laughs> Uh, what was the biggest change for you when the baby arrived practically and mentally? Uh, well, practically it's just the hypervigilance, mm. the fact that you are uh, – Gemma and I have a routine because uh, Ian is at an age where she's feeding, you know, every two to three hours. So our routine is Gem feeds, I will settle. If I can – means I can give Gem a chop out for 15 minutes, half an hour. If we're lucky an hour, she will get a nap in. And then that will swap around at some point where I'll try and get a nap in as well. So that's a real change for us because I we were both very independent, not, not just independent as a couple but independent of each other, did our own thing all the time. But now we are with each other 24-7 mm. doing this handover. So that's been the biggest change is suddenly being not – I don't want to say housebound. That sounds like a negative but – just being full-time raising a child, that's been the biggest change. Mentally, I would say the biggest change has been a positive. I think mentally there is so much love in our house at the moment. Like it's hard to describe unless you've had a kid yourself, I imagine, but just looking at her face brings me so much joy. The weird expressions she makes, the way her face has changed, how she looks like me sometimes, then she looks like Jem. You know, I can't wait till she gets to a developmental age where she starts to respond to the things because I'm giving her some good material, some great gags, some funny faces. She's not responding to any of it, but it's just delightful. Like I kind of forget when I wake up 
and this may sound like hyperbole, but when I wake up, it's like Christmas because I wake up and remember I have a baby and it's so exciting because I can't wait to see her. I can't wait to tickle her little feet. I can't wait to touch her little button nose, all these kind of things. So that has been the biggest change is like I I had a feeling I was going to like being a dad, but I wasn't quite prepared for the non-chemically enhanced love. (laughs) That's the only equivalent I can give it to. I can't agree more. Um I would say for me, I, and I spoke to my brother about this, my, my youngest brother who's um, – some of my brothers have kids. Uh, my youngest brother's had the most recent one. And I was talking to him about how I, I could feel neural pathways in my brain rewiring when I sniff Wolfie's head. Yeah. You know, that amount of dopamine and serotonin you know, is usually unavailable unless you're on some solid gear at a, at a dance party, yeah. you know, uh, which, you know, without the come down. Even the kind of – changing nappies, which everyone complains about. I don't like it. It's the best. I think it's so funny. Her body at the moment looks like little E.T. It cracks me up. Every time I get that nappy off and I see her spindly little legs and her big bloated belly, I'm like, you are the funniest looking thing in the world. And the noises she makes as well because – she communicates. She makes the same noises for the yeah. same, like when she's hungry. She does this thing. I sent a gem today. She makes this noise like she's a middle-aged Greek man because she's always like, eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> and that is like I want some milk, eh. Yeah. There's, a, there's a few, I guess there's a few other changes for me besides the, that I've, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm back on meds and I'm working very hard on, on, on getting my brain into shape and, and having baby around has, has provided me an extraordinary amount of focus to do that. So yeah, I can definitely th- feel things shifting. Um, but yeah, the, the, the hit of serotonin that I get when that part of my brain is lighting up when I smell his head, I, I try to do that every day and I can really feel that. That it, must be nice for it's, you. It's great. It's really great. The other thing I would say, and I was warned about this by Abby, who I used to work with and who actually married Audrey and I. Our dogs very soon after he was born, our dogs just became dogs. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, shut the fuck up. I don't care how cute you are. Frankie was losing it. I'm like, he was barking so much and being so disruptive. And it was like, mate, you will lose this. You will be on a one-way trip to your my, my in-laws to Bromley Island. Like, I will ship you out of here before I figure out oh, how to train man. you around this because my love you of this dog is how much I love that dog. And he's been on my podcast for years now. I was like, I will get rid of you tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and that... I would never have contemplated getting rid of the dog. It is pretty amazing. Yeah. I've seen Gemma's lioness come out already. We went for a, uh, took the pram down to the beach the other day and as we were crossing the road, this car came flying around the corner, hadn't looked and wasn't close to hitting us but was close enough to warrant a tongue lashing and Gem gave it to this dude. It was amazing. But it was like... Ordinarily, if it had just been us crossing the road, yeah. probably would have flipped in the bird, would have been enough. But no, yeah. no, no. Jam had to let this guy know yeah. that he was endangering not just our lives, but totally. the lives of our child. No, and just slow super- down, you fucking idiot. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing that, and I'm, you know, we have touched on this, but I can't stress it enough in that the idea that the baby will just fit into your life as it exists is a fallacy. Mm. Like, there is no other way to describe this as. It is a full-time job. That's it. It's as if you've just gotten a new job. Mm. And what's my job? My job is a full-time carer for a completely helpless creature mm. that I have to feed and clothe and keep warm and change a nappy of and uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 18 years. Mm. They learn how to use the toilet by themselves pretty soon. But to think that, I don't know, it can wait because, you know, I've got this phone call to make or I've got this, yeah. you know, football game I want to watch or, you know, the new season of Picky Blinders has started and I want to watch another episode. Um, no. Nah. Yeah. Doesn't matter. And it's the sooner that you accept that, the easier it all is and the, the more my mindset just goes, oh, okay, that's, this is what I do now. Well, it's a good lesson in acceptance, isn't it? Yeah. 
like you know that sort of Buddhist philosophy of just yeah. like letting things go. You do you don't own any situation no. or state of being. Things are constantly in flux, state of flux. <laughs> Man, your kid's going to grow up with this extraordinary wisdom. <laughs> Hopefully. Now we do like to honour dads on this show. Not only the dads we speak to on the show, but real or, or pretend dads. Yeah. That we've fictional, non-fictional. Quasi raised us. Over yeah. The years. <laughs> well, this dad hasn't raised us, but I was just doing some reading online and it caught my eye. Charlemagne, not the rapper. Charlemagne, known as the father of Europe, so he was the first ruler of the Roman Empire. Of course. He was uh, uh, an actual father and probably a bit of a softy of his many possible children, some of them very illegitimate. Uh, one of them was called Pepin the Hunchback. He was named this because of a spinal deformity. Now, Charlemagne treated his son very well. He favoured him over his younger brothers, as was appropriate in royal lineage. But when he chose a younger legitimate son as his successor, Pepin the Hunchback became involved in a coup and in a plot to kill Charlemagne, his wife, and all his legitimate children. The plot was exposed, but even here... Charlemagne showed some fatherly mercy. Yeah? Yep. Instead of executing his son along with the other conspirators, he banished Pepin to a monastery where he lived out the rest of his days. Charlemagne also doted on his daughters. He kept them close in the royal court and educated them when they took up with the courtiers and produced illegitimate grandbabies. I mean, Charlemagne and the illegitimate kids. I don't know why we're honouring this dude. He seems like he just puts it about a bit and he's kind of rude to his deformed son. No, he was good to his river. His son tried to have him killed. That's the whole point. Because he was being a dick. No, he wasn't being a dick. He favoured his legitimate son. That's being a dick. No, what are you talking about? Hi, you're my dad. You're not my real son. No, he can't make his son the next ruler. I mean, it's a royal lineage. You've got to follow the rules. Malarkey. Oh my! You I, don't I, like? I, I protest this as I I am I am absenting from this. He's particular... known as the father of Europe. You can't back out of Great. this. Right? Someone's known as the father of the atomic bomb. Come on! <laughs> After Charlemagne's death, he bequeathed his surviving daughters convents where they could live out their days. Gave them a place to live. Yeah, a you know, convent. <laughs> expensive, no Sydney property prices, huh? Wouldn't uh, you love a father to give you a convent these days? I don't know. Charlemagne, dad, Ponsolich. No, I don't. <laughs> Oh, this has been amazing. I look forward to um, more than 90 minutes of rest. (laughs) And um, the next time we do this, Charlie Clawson, this has been great. How do we sign off? Go to bed. 